0: Decision Podcasts by the New York Prosecutors' Training Institute are made possible by Voice Pods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org law. People versus Donovan Bayund, decided on November 23, 2021. J. On this appeal, we are asked to determine whether the illegal sentence exception to the preservation requirement applies when a defendant first raises on intermediate appeal a challenge to the legality of his certification as a sex offender subject to the requirements of the Sex Offender Registration Act. SORA, Correction Law Article 6C. We conclude that the statutory question reached by the appellate division was not properly preserved and that the illegal sentence exception does not apply, and therefore reverse. 1. In June 2014, Defendant Donovan Byund entered the apartment of the victim while she slept. Defendant placed his hand over her mouth and his forearm on her chest, obstructing her breathing. Defendant exposed his penis and attempted to insert it into her vagina and mouth. As the victim tried to flee, she struggled with defendant and fell down a staircase. Defendant was charged by indictment with burglary in the first degree as a sexually motivated felony. Penal Law sections 130.91. 140.202, 2. Burglary in the first degree. Penal Law section 140.30. 2. Attempted rape in the first degree. Penal Law sections 110.00. 130.35 one, and other related offences. Defendant thereafter pleaded guilty to the top count of the indictment—burglary in the first degree as a sexually motivated felony—in exchange for a promised prison term of 11 years followed by 10 years of post-release supervision. Most notably for present purposes, the court also advised defendant that he would have to register pursuant to Sora upon his release from prison. The people objected to the sentence as being too lenient. Defendant purportedly waived his right to appeal as part of the plea bargain. Supreme Court thereafter sentenced defendant to the promised prison term and post-release supervision requirement. As required by Correction Law Section § 168d, the court also certified defendant as a sex offender as that term is used in Correction Law Section § 168a and informed him that he would be required to register with the Division of Criminal Justice Services, DCJS, before his release from prison. The certification was included in the Order of Commitment. Defendant did not object to his certification as a sex offender during the plea or at sentencing. On appeal to the appellate division, defendant argued for the first time that his certification as a sex offender was unlawful because his crime of conviction is not an enumerated registrable sex offense under correction law § 168a.2a. The people countered that defendant's argument was unpreserved and in any event meritless because correction law section 168 a. 2. a E. includes sexually motivated felonies as defined in penal law section 130.91 among its list of registrable sex offenses. The dispute at the appellate division focused on a 2007 amendment to the correction law enacted as part of the Sex Offender Management and Treatment Act, SOMTA in order, to enhance public safety by allowing the state to continue managing sex offenders upon the expiration of their criminal sentences, see Governor's Program Bill Mem, Bill Jacket, Senate Introducers Mem in Support, Bill Jacket. As relevant here, the legislature amended the definition of a Sora-registerable, sex offense, in Correction Law § 2, to read as follows. Section § 168a.2a. a conviction of or a conviction for an attempt to commit any of the provisions of sections 120.70, 130.20, 130.25, 130.30, 130.40, 130.45, 130.60, 230.34, 230.34a, 250.50, 255.25, 255.26 255.26 and 255.27 or article 263 of the penal law or section 135.05 135.10 135.20 or 135.25 of such law relating to kidnapping offenses provided the victim of such kidnapping or related offense is less than 17 years old and the offender is not the parent of the victim or section 230.04 where the person patronized is in fact less than 17 years of age, 230.05, 230.06, 230.11, 230.12, 230.13, subdivision 2 of section 230.30, section 230.32, 230.33, or 230.34 of the penal law, or section 230.25 of the penal law where the person prostituted is in fact less than 17 years old, or, e, a conviction of or a conviction for an attempt to commit any of the provisions of section 235.22 of the penal law, or, e, a conviction of or a conviction for an attempt to commit any provisions of the foregoing sections committed or attempted as a hate crime defined in § 485.05 of the Penal Law or as a crime of terrorism defined in § Section 490.25 of such law or as a sexually motivated felony defined in § Section 130.91 of such law. Correction Law § 168a.2 the 2007 amendment added the phrase "or as a sexually motivated felony" defined in Section 130.91 of such law, which is the language at the heart of the party's dispute below. Defendant argued that the added language limits the sora registrable crime of a sexually motivated felony to only those specified felonies that are both defined in Section 130.91 and cited in the foregoing sections of Correction Law Section 168 a 2. a namely subsections, I, and, E, of that statute. This reading would exclude approximately 20 specified sexually motivated felonies listed in Penal Law Section 130.91 from being SORA registrable offenses, including burglary in the first degree as a sexually motivated felony. The appellate division agreed with defendant that under the Clear and Unambiguous, Language of Correction Law Section 168 A. 2. A burglary in the first degree as a sexually motivated felony is not a registrable sex offense under SORA. Rejecting the people's contention that the legislature made clear its intent that the purpose of amending the list of SORA registrable crimes under Correction Law Section 168 was so that a defendant convicted of a sexually motivated felony will be required to register under Megan's Law, SORA Governor's Program Bill Mem Bill Jacket, the court nonetheless concluded that. Although it may have been the intent of the legislature to require those individuals convicted of all the specified offenses under penal law section 130.91.2 to register under Sora. The Language of Correction Law Section 168A.2 a as amended did not effectuate that intent. Only after its statutory analysis did the appellate division address preservation. As to preservation, the court stated that defendant's certification and the requirement that he register as a sex offender violated his right to be sentenced as provided by law, citing People v. Fuller, thereby impliedly holding that Sora certification is part of the sentence. The court modified the judgment by vacating the requirements that defendant register as a sex offender and pay the sex offender registration fee, and otherwise affirmed. A judge of this court granted the people leave to appeal. Before this court, the people assert that defendant failed to preserve his claim that he was not subject to certification as a sex offender under SORA. They argue that certification pursuant to SORA is not part of the sentence and, thus, a challenge to certification does not fall within the illegal sentence exception and, moreover, does not survive a valid waiver of the right to appeal. Because this court's jurisdiction is limited to review of issues of law, Our first task is to assess whether the arguments raised on appealed present questions that were preserved by specific objection in the trial court, People v. Nieves. We have recognized a narrow exception to the preservation rule where a court exceeds its powers and imposes a sentence that is illegal in a respect that is readily discernible from the trial record, quoting SAMS. See People v. Santiago. However, not all claims arising during a sentencing proceeding fall within the exception, Nieves. The applicability of the exception here depends on whether Sora certification is part of the sentence. In People vs. Hernandez, we held that certification as a sex offender was appealable as part of the judgment of conviction. We reasoned that certification is rendered in open court, together with other elements of disposition, and forms an integral part of the conviction and sentencing. Moreover, we observed that Sora certification is affected by operation of law upon conviction, is pronounced at sentencing, and must be included in the order of commitment for those defendants sentenced to prison, making the SORA certification an inescapable part of the conviction, and definitionally incorporated within the judgment itself. Noting that the issue presented was, the appealability, as part of the judgment of conviction, of defendant's certification as a sex offender, we left open the question of whether certification was part of a defendant's sentence, stating that, Even assuming that SORA certifications were deemed not a part of the sentence, we are satisfied that they are certainly part of the judgment. The court revisited Hernandez in People v. Smith, which established that registration and notice requirements under New York City's Gun Offender Registration Act, GORA, cannot be deemed a technical or integral part of a defendant's sentence nor be incorporated into the judgment of conviction. Both Hernandez and Smith state that a convicted defendant can appeal their SORA certification as a component of the judgment of conviction. In dicta contained in a footnote, the Smith court further stated that certification as a sex offender under SORA, comprises part of the sentence. This observation, however, was an overly expansive interpretation of the holding in Hernandez that certification as a sex offender is appealable as part of the judgment of conviction. In any event, the dicta in Smith in addition to being unnecessary for resolution of the issues in Smith, did not expand upon the holding of Hernandez. People versus Nieves, involving orders of protection, is also instructive on the question of which claims fall within the illegal sentence exception. In Nieves, we concluded that, like the SORA certification at issue in Hernandez, orders of protection issued at sentencing are part of the final adjudication of the criminal action involving defendant, and may be challenged on direct appeal from the judgment of conviction. We unanimously held that, although orders of protection issued at sentencing are appealable as part of the judgment, they are nevertheless not a part of the sentence imposed. In reaching this conclusion, we explained that the criminal procedure law does not characterize orders of protection as a component of the sentence and that the relevant statutory scheme and legislative history indicate that the primary intent of orders of protection is nonpunitive. As further indication of the non-punitive nature of orders of protection, we observed that Title E of the Penal Law, which governs sentencing and comprehensively addresses sentencing alternatives, makes no mention of orders of protection as a permissible sentence. Therefore, we held that the illegal sentence exception could not be applied to challenges to orders of protection. Similarly, here, sex offender certification is effectuated by the court pursuant to correction law § 168d and is not addressed in either the criminal procedure law or Title E of the penal law. Certification for a defendant sentenced to a term of imprisonment, as here, is the initial step in a procedure under the SORA statutory scheme that is handled by prison officials, DCJS, and the Board of Examiners of Sex Offenders. Moreover, we have repeatedly stated that SORA and SOMTA are remedial civil statutes and not punitive in nature. See People v. Harnett. Matter of North v. Board of Examiners of Sex Offenders of State of NY. People v. Wyndham. Doe v. Pataki. See also Smith v. Doe, concluding that retroactive application of a sex offender registration requirement survived an ex post facto clause challenge as the regulatory scheme was non-punitive. Following our reasoning in Nieves, then, Sora certification is not part of a sentence and the illegal sentence exception to the preservation requirement does not apply to challenges to certification as a sex offender. Our conclusion is supported by People v. Gravino, in which we held that Sora registration and the terms and conditions of probation are collateral, rather than direct, consequences of a guilty plea. Such that the court's failure to mention Sora during a plea proceeding does not render the defendant's guilty plea involuntary. In Gravino, we explained that direct consequences are component elements of a sentence that have a definite, immediate, and largely automatic effect on a defendant's punishment, whereas collateral consequences are peculiar to the individual and generally result from the actions taken by agencies the court does not control. Gravino. We contrasted post release supervision. Which, under the penal law, is a component of a sentence of imprisonment and an integral part of the punishment, to SORA registration, which we reiterated as a non-penal consequence of a remedial statute intended to prevent future crime. In addition, we observed that SORA risk level determinations are not part of a defendant's sentence but rather are collateral consequences of a guilty plea, which depend on actions taken by an independent administrative agency and are unknown at the time the court accepts the guilty plea. See Wyndham. From the foregoing, it is evident that the entire SORA statutory scheme is designed to have a remedial and non-penal effect. Significantly, SORA and its resultant obligations are not characterized as components of sentencing in the criminal procedure law or referred to in Title E of the penal law as a permissible sentence. Moreover, under Correction Law § Section 168 D. 1a, a court's, failure to include the certification in the order of commitment or the judgment of conviction shall not relieve a sex offender of the obligations imposed under, SORA. Indeed, it is plain under Correction Law § 168d that the certification and the inclusion thereof in the order of commitment for a defendant who receives a prison sentence constitutes the beginning of a statutory procedure that involves DCJS and culminates in a SORA hearing and risk determination which in turn is subject to a civil appeal process. Defendants attempt to isolate the consequences of the component parts of SORA, certification, registration, risk-level determination, and notification requirements, and deem the court's initial certification to be part of the sentence as impractical and unworkable. The consequences of SORA, as a whole, have already been determined to be collateral and non-penal in this context. Thus, we conclude that SORA certification is not a part of a defendant's sentence. As such, defendant's statutory claim regarding the applicability of correction law § 2a, to the crime of burglary in the first degree as a sexually motivated felony does not fall within the illegal sentence exception to the preservation requirement and is therefore unreviewable in this court. The appellate division may have authority to take corrective action in the interest of justice based upon defendant's unpreserved challenge to the legality of his certification as a sex offender, which it could also undoubtedly exercise in the rather unlikely event that a check bouncer finds themselves certified as a sex offender, as postulated by the dissent. However, this court does not have that authority, and thus, unlike the dissent, which determines that defendant's interpretation of the statute is correct we do not consider the merits of defendant's argument. Accordingly, the order insofar as appealed from should be reversed and the case remitted to the appellate division, second department for further proceedings in accordance with the opinion herein. Decided November 23, 2021. Decision podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by VoicePods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org/slash law.